0: beforehand, because this is an alternative episode. Uh, I have the pleasure to have with us Professor Kregunda uh, Liawa, if I pronounce your name correctly. Uh, welcome.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh,
0: Kregunda. we met in Davos, you are Uh, a professor of law specialized, if I understand correctly, in international arbitration and new technology law. You're also the director of the Swiss Institute for Alternative Thinking. Uh, I'm not going to go through all your long resume, but this I hope um, gives our listeners an understanding of the very interesting alternative topics that we'll be discussing together. It, it, we, we met in Davos uh, at one of the big blockchain events of the Global Blockchain Business Council where you were participating in a panel there. And I want to start from there a bit just to, to get a feel of your main takeaways from this uh, World Economic Forum meeting in terms of these alternative technologies, be it blockchain, be it AI, uh, and so on?
1: Well, uh, indeed, it was an extremely intense uh, meeting, uh, the meeting concerning the blockchain technology. But this is, uh, to me, almost natural. So, it was uh, a, a lesson that I, that I took from Davos this year that what is natural as importance worldwide, it gets to the Davos agenda eventually. And uh, this is because the blockchain technology at this moment is revolutionizing both the public and the private sector in a number of their main activities. Uh, we are linked with, uh, with ledgers on so many levels that we cannot even. Uh, be aware of uh, how many they are uh, from from identity, from um, uh, recording of property, from um, uh, recording of employees, uh, shareholders, etc. So our world is full of ledgers and the, this technology is revolutionizing the way in which we interact with these ledgers. So for this reason, it's a part of the agenda of the public sector, of the private sector, and then All the other uh, elements brought by the artificial intelligence are um, to be to be considered as well as automizing part of our relationships. So to me, it was absolutely natural to see how Davos this year focused also on these events and particularly the surrounding events around the main meeting of the World Economic Forum were focusing uh, this this topic uh, as well.
0: I would agree with you. I mean, it was it was stunning, the intensity or the percentage, if you want, of events around um, uh, the World Economic Forum or during the World Economic Forum that were focused on this topic and, and a variety of, of use cases. Kregunda, you, you are a specialist in arbitration. Tell us a little bit about arbitration in an AI-driven world. And I'd like to start with AI because it's it's easier to understand applications and and there's probably more already that we are aware of in the world. But how how can we start thinking about uh, arbitration and AI?
1: Arbitration is an alternative to the uh, legal system uh, and the jurisdiction of the courts of law, of the state courts of law. So it's an alternative to state justice, It's if you want a private justice and it has been developed as a tool uh, additional to the globalization so according with the history of arbitration we will have a, a very significant point of development at the time of globalization and that is for a reason and that is that in international trade in the international interconnectivity brought by the international trade we need a tool by which we can uh, solve the disputes in a in a way that is not related to one state or another, that is independent from the geography of the states. Because the logic of the state is based on their territory, therefore uh, they are, they are um, limited in, in their jurisdiction to a specific space, while the globality in its notion is worldwide. So arbitration uh, responded to this need of having um, arbitrators, uh, private judges, uh, that were able to solve the disputes irrespective of their home country, and not taking into consideration their background necessarily. Having then uh, a decision at the end that you can enforce worldwide. And it was a moment, a very significant one in 1958, the New York convention, where actually the arbitral award was given a power to be enforced, to be useful, afterwards if you if you need to enforce it anywhere in the world in which you have a signatory state to that convention and this is more than 150 countries if you think at that a, uh, a judge's decision will be enforceable only in those countries uh, mm-hmm. that have a, 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 a treaty with a country of origin if you want is the difference between a patent that needs one visa, two visas, three visas, every time you want to travel, or the situation in which you have one passport who contains already 150 visas on it.
0: Embedded...
1: It's a very big difference. And for that reason, it is important to be used nowadays very much in all the technologies that are related to globalization and um, the blockchain technology with its decentralization all technologies that are based on the internet and the artificial intelligence um, as as a new technology take benefit of this power of the arbitration to be applicable afterwards in in an uh, interconnected world uh, with uh, with less uh, restrictions at every single
0: border. Very interesting. I wish uh, uh, we could borrow in finance and in FinTech and in cross border issues uh, a lot of these uh, principles. I'm not sure that that this really applies to to the financial industry that is heavily regulated. And uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well,
1: in, in fact, as a matter of fact, yes. In, in uh, about, uh, I think. Four years ago, uh, it was a working group at the International Chamber of Commerce, which is the biggest organization of traders worldwide. Um, at the Court of Arbitration, there uh, who address precisely this topic, which is the use of arbitration in the context of the financial industries, and it is uh, a good material. I could uh, I could easily uh, share it uh, with you, and then uh, for those interested uh, interested to 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 look at it, we may maybe place it in the comments uh, for them to find
0: right. it. Yeah, it can can AI be be used to sort of implement arbitration, or ah. it, 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 in, in that way, or, and how can I say, um, facilitate some type of automation and, and reduce frictions at the end of the day, because that's what really we're talking about, about reducing frictions in processes, whether it's, you know, trade or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, I guess arbitration is all about that, and so are these technologies that are trying to automate in secure and compliant or legal ways different um, uh, transactions.
1: If we speak now about the automated justice. The automated decision making for uh, deciding over disputes. Uh, now that is a topic of interest because justice is equally important with other in- values in our society, like health or, or uh, protection of our environment or, or other uh, aspects of human rights, etc. So, have uh, have access to justice is a basic human right. So, for that reason, um, usually all technologies that are um, in- Implementing artificial intelligence in the justice-making, whether, whether it is a state justice uh, system or a private system, I think will fall eventually into the logic of the high-risk technologies. So they will be somehow looked, uh, at least as the European Parliament uh, appears to, to, to think nowadays, maybe worldwide it would be from but the, the level of European Union, it is this thinking of ranking the uh, artificial intelligence technology use cases based on their impact and justice, health, usually our are, are, uh, human rights in general are um, high risk, which means that it is a high responsibility, but it doesn't mean that it is not a high opportunity as well. So it can be used, but we have to do it in, in, uh, with cautious and with, with a lot of attention. Why? Because at this moment, we cannot automate but what it is possible to anticipate. So we, in order to automate something, we have to predict the behavior. And the role of justice, is actually different than the role of law. The role of law in any society, it's actually to, if you want, automate social behavior. We are told how to behave in a society. We have a prediction as to how people would behave, but the justice is the regulatory system to that. It is made to um, sanction and enforce the situation that uh, deviate from the the rule Mm -hmm. and also to explain or, or decide whether a situation is or is not an exception. So this by by its very nature, it's a regulatory mechanism in any kind of system. So justice is almost like an adaptive system of the rules to the behavior of those who have to comply with the rules. I'm trying to explain that in the logic of programmators now, because if you think about uh, lawyers are the ancient programmators, we were programming the social behavior when we were making the laws. So it's an interesting analogy. So coming back to to your question, if you uh, think to replace a human being making this assessment, this adjustment, you have to understand what kind of decisions are to be taken. And whether those decisions are straightforward, are simpler, you can predict them, you can uh, automize them because you can program them, or they are high complexity ones in which you do not look at elements that can be easily predicted. Like for instance, when you'd have to decide to whom a child should be, should be um, uh, given, given in kid. custody. Yes, given in custody to one parent or another or whether it is a matter of um, relationships in which personal behavior was extremely important in which it was about how you build trust. Like for instance, whether a person has been embezzled or not. Uh, these are trust related issues. And those are looking very much at the psychology of humans. And the judge or a private judge and arbitrator would not only look at the law and the facts, it would look also at the overall understanding that it has over the situation. And in some legislations, there is even a very interesting provision. It says like this, that the judge should decide based on the law and its own conscience. So we have two elements in the judge's decision, the law and the conscience of the judge. Now, we can automize the application of the law, but we have no ways at this moment to automize conscience. So that, for that reason, I believe that automation will find its place in arbitration in general and in justice, but as a helping tool. It will help automizing some processes but always we will have to have some sort of cockpit if i w- can call it like this where a human being will have to to stay and and uh, and have the final stay. my my own uh, my own view on 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 that but we are predicting future so future yes but, but, but we
0: we we are assessing the degree of this um, hybrid combination of humans with machines right which we are already there but of course those proportions right now are, we are overweight relative to the machines, but we are swiftly moving those weights and and that's really the the question. And in what areas, because there'll be, like with decentralization and automation, there'll be areas that will be completely uh, automated, completely decentralized, and that would be the right thing. And then there'll be areas that they will be the exact opposite. And I guess that's where we all collaboratively collaboratively need to decide which are the areas that we keep. And that has to do with our values, I guess, and what's important Mm. for the society. Now let's jump to the metaverse (laughs) as if we don't have enough issues to solve here in the real world. But the metaverse continues to be, um, I guess, you know, it's it's fascinating. I was actually last week at a, an event uh, here in Zurich, um, Asset Rush, and and um, they were talking about uh, the metaverse on stage as a vision, giving of course some examples. And I know you have a fantastic and alternative uh, way of thinking of the metaverse. Uh, I had the the pleasure to read one of your articles that that describes this, Um, and uh, since it's very much related to Greek mythology, uh, I had to to hear from you your thoughts on this uh, topic, which is really a framework if that's the way I understood it of how to start thinking about the metaverse and how it may shape up and 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 what are the possibilities so can you tell us uh, about this world that you describe in your article that talks about um, a layered universe right
1: well, <laughs> yes, I, I must say that, that Greek uh, mythology and later on Greek philosophy it was, was so powerful in, into its impact over the, the, the next generations that even now uh, the easiest way sometimes to explain something is to go back to, to, to Greek philosophy or Greek um, mythology. Um, why? Uh, because it is a system uh, in which universe is explained. And if you are facing a situation in which the main coordinates of the universe are changing, you need to get back to the system and try to see how you can uh, put things in order. If you notice at this time, there are a lot of discussions about AI and ethics um, before going into AI and law, because usually ethics is before law. Law comes in a, in a, in a second step to regulate uh, part of the elements which are already part of the ethics. But uh, if you think about that, you cannot do that without understanding exactly where is the place of uh, the, the situation that you're referring to. And this is in the case of the metaverse. It's the very definition of what metaverse is. Because you can look at the metaverse, and you can look at it as a game. And if it is a game, that's it. It's a, the- uh, it's a place in which there are no other legal relationships or legal uh, impacts, but like in a, in a playground, and that's it. And then you can discuss it with analogies related with, for instance, sports and uh, the regulations in sports, or you can think of it as an additional territory to which the humans behave. And we have this normal territory in which we are nowadays uh, with all our senses, you know, like uh, touching, smelling, um, um, feeling, um, uh, seeing, hearing, all these kind of elements that builds our input about what reality is. And then we have the imp- augmented reality or artificial reality, uh, the virtual reality, which are basically, by their own definitions, creating a sense of reality to the person who is in that condition of uh, uh, of senses. So you will have uh, another territory. Where is this territory? Is it as on a flat reality in the same level with all other realities, is it entering, for instance, in the metaverse, the same and having, let's say, our conversation in the metaverse with our avatars, the same as us meeting online or us meeting face to face, it's on on a flat territory, or there are different characteristics that may differ and make the situation be more specific. And the Greek mythology uh, has this perception of the universe being layered. And it also has a certain explanation as to how Rules from one layer must or must not be complied within the other layers. And in the Greek mythology, it was the upper realm, the middle realm, and the lower realm. If we would make to have this uh, analogy, it would be the Olympus where the gods were, the creators of everything. If we make the analogy now, we are creating the the, the metaverse. So we are the creating of this world. Uh, that's one thing. Then you had the word which was called the middle realm or the Earth. In our case, this is becoming the metaverse. And then it was the other realm, the underworld, where Hades was located, where it was a situation um, of, a different, of a different kind. And I will revert to that because it's interesting what will happen with the failed metaverse uh, versions. What will happen in time with the situations that do not longer stay active, but they are still not um, without consequences. And this the pre- is- um, The
0: previous uh, versions are the previous the... generations Absolutely. As, as we like to think uh, in, yeah. in, in, in the underworld of the Greek mythology.
1: Exactly, where where do you put them if you don't stop them, if you let them be uh, and you do not completely shut them down? And sometimes you cannot because they have consequences that follow in time. So if that is a situation of the three layers, if we move that to the metaverse, what we see, we see that we here as human beings, we are creating a new territory. We see that us in that territory, we do not enter with all our personality, with all our senses, with all our body, but with parts of it. So we enter into that territory through avatars. Those avatars are different shapes that we may take. In the metaverse, we can have different shapes. We can be in the shape of a a chair, in the shape of a human, in the shape of a dog. So we can take different shapes that we decide to have as avatars. Uh, Well, in the Greek mythology, uh, gods were coming on Earth uh, in different shapes. Zeus, for instance, uh, the supreme god of the Olympus, uh, was using those kind of shapes to, you know, um, charm ladies that were inhabitants of Earth. Uh, so that was an interesting uh, humorous way in which uh, the ancient Greeks were trying to explain things as to make them understandable. But this is true nowadays as well. If we look at our behavior in the metaverse, Either we can take it as a playground and then we play with whatever we, we want there or we take it seriously. So coming back to the, the analogy, what do we have in, on earth? And nowadays we have human beings and in the Greek mythology, we have gods as visitors. In the metaverse, we have the, I would call them characters. If we look at the, uh, at the metaverse coming from the game, um, originate, originating from the game world, Otherwise, if we originated as self-standing, I would rather con- suggest that they might be called even beings, but let's call them characters. And uh, those that are familiar with gaming, they know that they are playable characters and non-playable characters. Basically playable characters are characters in which you can go as an avatar and influence their behavior. So you. You go into the metaverse in your avatar and you do whatever you want with that avatar in the metaverse. And then there are the non-playable characters, which are characters that are uh, self-standing. Like, for instance, you would populate the metaverse with animals or with, um, with um, humans that are not avatars of anybody else, they are just automated uh, characters, uh, persons that are uh, existing only in the metaverse in the way that they are programmed to exist. If you lose, use artificial intelligence for that, and this is the normality for the situation, you get to what I call the purely artificial beings, with or without, we can discuss of self, uh, self-awareness, that's a different yeah. story. But nevertheless, we interact. And if we would meet in the metaverse, I would have to know whether the other one, it's an avatar of a human being or is this purely artificial creature? It's a character of the game. That's one thing. So revealing who you are in the metaverse is one option, one problem. The second one, when I interact with the other, is the other aware about who am I? Does it consider me as being an artificial creature or a, a human being? And analogies here, I don't know for those who saw the, the Westworld, for instance, the movie or, or uh, either the original or the series on, uh, each of the, the situations there were a situation of identifying who's the artificial being and who is not. So that is an important element as well. And these are uh, about identity in the metaverse and uh, transparency as to the identity. And then the next level, when I'm moving in the metaverse, do I have to observe the rules of the outside world, of this -hmm. this world? For instance, Zeus, when he was, I don't know, uh, charming a lady on on Earth, uh, was he cheating his wife Hera in the Olympus or not? I mean, having this kind of behavior in a different territory, was it to be considered a violation of the rules of the first layer or not? And this is another another interesting question that we have to think of. And I think that it is good because uh, if we look at the Greek mythology, the gods, whenever and wherever were behaving, they were supposed to be, behave at the dignity and the level of a god because otherwise they were violating their uh, their um, uh, rules. So we as humans, whether we behave in the metaverse or we behave here, we should still comply with all the laws that are regulating our behavior in this context. That is the the logic and the lesson that we take from the from the Greek gods. And then um, the last part of what I would like to to say is that um, if you look at this analogy, it's also very important to have enforcement mechanisms, because um, one of the things that is very interesting in the Greek mythology is that gods created some tools in which they were communicating and influencing the behavior of the humans. In our case, we have to have tools by which we can intervene and correct or amend the behavior of the automated creatures, automated characters of the artificial (laughs) beings, of the characters of the game. So if they are deviating from their normal behavior as programmed, we need to be able to intervene to that. And that intervention, it's quite interesting because at the level of gods in the Greek mythology, how they did that? First of all, they included in the human beings some sort of embedded moral embedded ethics we all of us have some laws of behavior like not to kill not to not to uh disrespect uh, not to steal so to respect others so we have this kind of embedded values in us this if we move to the artificial beings is about embedding values into the artificial beings And that is very important to characters, to be characters that have these kind of values as they are coordinated, as they are structured, the the embedded values. And then they are the learned behaviors. And we as humans, we learn, and the machine learning also can uh, lead to, to learned behaviors. For the learned behaviors, this may or may not deviate from the law or from the rules. For us as humans, how we have this solved? We have two ways in the Greek mythology. First is the intervention of gods, which is expensive and complicated and gods are not uh, in the Greek mythology enjoying enough uh, attention to, to pay attention to all the behavior of all the humans all the time. So they were not exactly working like police officers all the time. They were letting the humans behave. They were intervening sometimes. And that is the situation for the, uh, for the uh, metaverse as well. I mean, you cannot have a person looking into the metaverse all the time and programming every single situation. You will have to have it automated somehow or uh, self-regulated. And then we, as humans, we developed our own justice system, so we developed our own way in which we regulate our own behavior. If we look at the automation, if we look at the artificially created characters, this should have the same situation in which they themselves can have some automated system in which they regulate their behavior and adapt their behavior so to comply with the the rules. I haven't seen much development in this situation. I've seen a lot of artificial intelligence uh, work in order to adapt system to the requirements of the external. But I haven't seen much as to self-automate, uh, the uh, self-regulation adaptation as to the, uh, as to the behavior. So that is an area uh, in which I think we will see some developments in, in the future in the logic of what the Greek pathology mm. presented as being needed. And then we have the oracle, and that is beautiful, because you know what? Um, <laughs> Zoe's first wife was Hera, which is, was the goddess of fertility. Basically, it was the business developer of the world. She was giving birth to everything. <laughs> I so honestly, that. it was a the. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's a, and please consider me completely respectful, but it's such a beauty in these thoughts that I cannot but smile thinking of them. But Zeus then got a second wife. And you know what? This was Temis, which was the goddess of justice. So after you have a lot of business development, at some point in time, you need to regulate that world. Oh, wow. So the second wife of Zeus was Themis. And Themis is the one who built the Oracle of Delphi, at least in some legends. And what the Oracle of Delphi did was to transfer the will of the gods into this world. So basically, moving from the layer above to this layer, whatever it was needed. It was the regulatory intervention assistance of the gods in our world. If we look at what we do in the metaverse, we need to have a regulatory system. And actually, this is what the blockchain industry names uh, those that are inputting information into the blockchain. They are called um they are called oracles so in in the language of the blockchain industry that uh, person or that um, um, source of information into the system off chain is called oracle so in our case if you go from the upper layer into the the metaverse uh, you are the oracle oracle of delphi what was doing it was saying to humans what the will of god was Exactly the same. So it's funny to think in this way, but in a way, it gives you comfort that we are not outside mental models, we are not outside a structure of thinking that help us uh, present the current situation as it, uh, as it should be. So just to put the last point on, on my, my story, the laws of physics. Uh, You know that God's when they built earth in the Greek mythology, they put the laws of physics into the the universe, we have, for instance, the gravity, so that makes that it is no need for us, for instance, to have a crime, the crime of jumping on the moon, because you cannot jump on the moon, you can Use other methods, but you cannot jump on the moon as a human being. So we only have laws for what is physically possible, not for what physically is impossible. Now, when we build a metaverse, there are two options to work with a metaverse. Either we work with a metaverse in the way that we create completely free, completely uh, complete freedom as to the laws of physics. And then you know you can shape architecturally beautiful spaces, you can make the rivers go upstream, you can do work that beautiful part of imagination in the metaverse, but you can also do something else. You can expand the laws of physics as to cover some of the behavioral laws. And if it would be impossible for an avatar, for a human in the metaverse to harm another being, to hit, to steal, to, to to violate any of the the laws that we consider important in the metaverse, then we basically we can embed in the metaverse as laws of physics of the metaverse something that here they are just behavioral laws that they are laws of uh, of the um, uh, human behavior, not of the physics. And this is interesting because we have now the chance either to build a better world in which we can incorporate such uh, such. Uh, uh, impossibilities to 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 be otherwise than than moral or otherwise than legal, or we can uh, do the opposite. And uh, well, we shall see what will happen. Not sure very, I would like very, to that.
0: Very interesting. On the one hand, from all that you described, and again, I mean, I have read your article, but uh, you know the way you animated, of course, it makes it uh, much uh, more lively and and. Um, it, it's planting seeds. I mean, on the one hand, I'm hearing that there are archetypal, uh, how can I say, um, elements that uh, we could and should take from from this connection that you you are making, from this alternative uh, thinking that you are introducing, and this is this is a guide and it makes us also aware as to the great responsibility that we have in terms of what we choose to do and and to avoid a lot of blind spots, like making choices and then suffering consequences because we didn't realize what complications our choices made. I I really love this um, uh, analogy. And and in the last part where, where you spoke about what kind of physical laws we decide to, to, you know, uh, design in this metaverse, I'm thinking that, you know, we could choose to design sort of uh, what we would consider an ideal world that doesn't exist and, and, and train ourselves and the machines there and have these feedback loops, I guess. That would be an angelic world, I guess.
1: <laughs> I, I, love, I love your thought because basically the extremes, if we go to the extremes, is either that we build a world in which any behavior is possible, but we have laws of physics. And basically this is where we are right now, or you build the opposite, which is a world in which you have any loss of physics you want, but the behavior must be that that embeds the value that you wish. So this is an angelic word, because there is, that is the very definition of the angelic world in which you have no laws of physics, but you do have the, 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 the behavior that is completely moral by its nature. To me, I think that the area in which we are going to develop will be, once again, an extremely beautiful one. It's almost like a second uh, I would say, like, like the, the, the French would pronounce it, uh, a second area of, of Illuminism, if you want. Why? Because we are going to back again, to, to, to go back again to blending uh, spirituality, philosophy, technology and us. If we don't put them all together we cannot move into this territory in other way but really dangerous or chaotic and this is why everybody at this moment uses and tries to get into the world of ethics because ethics is the, the the common word that nowadays we are using to to somehow try to shape the values of what it is important but ethics if we look backwards in, in time I mean if you look at the history it comes from both spirituality and philosophy they are not you know belonging to the law law it's something uh, who, much later in the in the story it basically is when the states intervene but before that we have uh, we have other tools and I think we are going to see a very very interesting era in which people that have these backgrounds in in the four areas will will come up. human behavior technology uh, spirituality and, and philosophy and um, it's a it's a wonderful time to be a human being and to live that. I mean, I think we are very lucky to live these uh, this times.
0: I feel the same. I mean, I think that, that, that we all as human beings imagine a world with no wars, with none of these um, racial discriminations and biases that have been implanted in us because of this fragmentation of countries and 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 so on. Um, and maybe we will be sort of running there in the metaverse to experience that and and that feedback loop will make our behavior as a collective much better. I guess uh, the, this is this is the the best uh, outcome. And of course, we all know that nothing happens linearly, right? So, so we shouldn't be expecting and monitoring every step, but looking at that um, direction. I think that we, we, we did what we were planned to do, which was share really an alternative uh, perspective, um, a human perspective. And uh, there's a lot of thinking. Uh, to to anyone that listens to this uh, discussion, because it is thought-provoking. I'd like to thank you, Hergunda, a lot for your insights. And of course, I will share with our audience your uh, coordinates on LinkedIn as you share wonderful um, uh, research and and thoughts that that you you do. Uh, Again, thank you very much for spending time with us.
1: Thank you again for providing me the opportunity to be in a dialogue with you.
0: Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News Podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on